Today's gospel poses to us a very serious question about how we think of ourselves as a Christian people and poses an even more serious question than that, and that is, how faithful are we really? It's a question that scholars think probably was coming up in the community in which this gospel was written. A question of what kind of community they were going to be, of wrestling with their Christian identity, and a Christian identity that was not just general, but very specific, and that it was specifically centered around the Eucharist, around the table. The table around which the baptized gather and receive the bread and the wine that we call the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we use this very strange language that for outsiders sounds almost cannibalistic. We call this bread and this wine body and blood and we consume it. We take it into ourselves and we claim it gives us life. And then we wonder why the rest of the world looks at us a little bit cross-eyed. The question for these early followers of the Christian gospel is whether or not it's worth hanging in there when the times get tough, when the teachings get hard, when more is demanded of us than we thought was expected, when in fact giving ourselves over to Christ means giving up a lot more than we thought we'd ever have to give up. Two Sundays ago, I arrived on a very early red-eye flight into New York City, and I got on the trains and made my way through the subway system. And if you've ever been in the subway system in New York City in high August, you know it, what it's like. <laughs> I, I think even the devil would say the hinges of hell are not quite this worn, but you know it's like that, you know? I popped up on Broadway near St. John the Divine Cathedral. I was meeting our good friend Valerie Robin. Many of you will remember her. She had invited me to join her. She has joined the community of St. Savior, which is the congregation that gathers at St. John the Divine. And we went for breakfast at Tom's Restaurant, which is um, on 112th. It's the, it's the restaurant that inspired the cafe in Seinfeld, in case you're curious. So it was fun to sit there early in the morning in New York City and watch the city slowly wake up and come to life and people would come to the world market and get some fruits and vegetables for the day and watching tourists come by and snap pictures. And my cultural shock moment was getting to the restaurant, which was empty, and the woman came and said, would you like a seat? And I said, yes, a friend of mine is coming and she's on a train, she's going to be here in about 20 minutes, this is all right if I sit down. She said, I'll have to ask the manager. Welcome to New York. <laughs> or the little provisos at the bottom of the menu, you know, the, the, like the, the one that says, um, you know, the pictures on the menu may not be the actual way the food is presented. So when I got my cantaloupe with cottage cheese and there was no marchino cherry on top, I dare not complain. <laughs> it's like that scene from Seinfeld, you know, so that, no food for you. <laughs> Welcome to New York. We get to St. John the Divine. It is hotter than Hades in the cathedral. 
hotter than Hades. Because cathedrals, you know, they retain the cold, but they also retain the heat if it's been summer. Fans are blowing. And what's extraordinary in New York City at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning when most of the city is air-conditioned and people could stay home or go hibernate in a thousand and one places, 200 people show up to worship. 200 people show up to worship, to receive the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ, to gather in community, to hear the Word of God proclaimed in the midst of this cavernous building Scaffolding was up in the primary archway because stones had been falling over the summer and they had to repair those. 200 people is not a lot at St. John the Divine. Barely occupied maybe 5% of the space. Here they were gathered being faithful, as the priest noted. Put everything back in perspective. We thought we have problems with our bell tower here. Well, you know. Hmm. It would take a billion dollars to fix St. John the Divine up to design spec. Think about that. Not exactly your month-long fundraiser, is it? And yet the faithful gather there. Because they recognize, as Solomon recognized, the house that they inhabit for worship is not their house, and it is not for them. It's like Archbishop Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, during the war years of the last century said, the Christian community is the only society on earth that exists for people who have yet to become its members. Think about that for a moment. We walk a very fine line, don't we, between radical hospitality to those who have yet to darken our doors and this Eucharistic community that is so radical and unworldly that people are tempted to walk away from it. And yet this is our call as Christian community. This is why we gather here every Sunday Sometimes only a faithful few. Sometimes, when we're fortunate, a great many. And we gather here not because this space is ours, but because we steward it for those who come after us. Think about that message that we hold and witness to just by being here. Over and against what one of our politicians once called an ownership society. We are an anti-ownership society. Because the radical teaching of Christ's body and Christ's blood, of the love and the life that Jesus brings among us is that we own nothing, really. And it's a radical teaching that we're not called just to witness to here, for a couple of hours every Sunday, but we are to carry it out into the world that is often obsessed with owning and controlling. A world where there are a thousand and one reasons not to be here today. A world in which we can hang out and hibernate in our houses if we like. 
We can hang out and hibernate in our own private spirituality. That not, is not the life that Jesus calls us to. Solomon knew this as he was standing in the temple that he helped build for God, a house that he knew was too small for God, an offering that could not even approach God's greatness. It would have been easy for Solomon to fall into the tribal traditions of his ancestors and say, this is our house for our God, and take ownership. But instead, he remembers, this is not for us. This is for those on the outside to come in. Likewise, Jesus' followers, in particular Peter this day, recognize why they are on this journey with him. And even though the going has gotten hard and the language has gotten tough, and others have fallen away. His closest followers say to him, you are the one who has the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? We are a blessed community, are we not? And we are a called community. A community called this day and every day to come to our God with empty hands, with open minds, and above all, with open hearts to embrace the life we have been given, the life not just for us, but for the world we are called to serve. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.